Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Good morning, Heart Church. So good to see you. So good to be here. Really warm welcome to everyone. Really warm welcome to South campus and a really warm welcome if it is your first time here. You will find us today in the middle of a series that we have been talking about in regard to giving. So if you wouldn't really call yourself a Christian or wouldn't really usually find yourself in church, uh, we firstly love the fact that you are here, um, uh, but really Uh, wouldn't want you in any way to be brought under pressure by what we're speaking about today. You can just sit back, relax and think about all the Christians should be doing, which is great. But we we are here talking about giving and what I've really loved um, about teaching the series is that it really closes the gap between my church life and my normal life. I'm a big believer in closing the gap between my church life and my normal life because really there is no difference or should be no difference between my church life and my normal life. It should be one life and that one life we, we with that life we serve God. So I'm going to do a little bit of a recap just to remind us, uh, and I'm sure it'll be helpful if you've not been around for the the, the four weeks, as we've looked at numbers of aspects in regard to giving. And we started with, it starts with the heart. And one of the Scriptures that we use there in Proverbs 27 verse 19, which I personally found a very, find a very challenging and powerful scripture that as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And, and I, I'm challenged by it and I love it because we, we can so often judge our life as things that happen to us. And yet what this scripture seems to do is flip it round and talks about the life that flows from us. In other words, my my life will mirror back to me my heart, which is a challenging thought. We looked at the fact that giving is a natural response to love. And also that God is interested in what's given, but He's also perhaps even more interested in how it is given. We, we looked at the the interesting fact that when God challenged the, the, the children of Israel because of this huge distance that had formed between the children of Israel and the people of God, they were people who were saying they loved God, but their lives actually did not measure up. And, and God, through the prophets, spoke to them and said, hey guys, this is not good. And I've been fascinated because he did not challenge them 
in, uh, in restoring the relationship. He didn't say, hey, come to a prayer meeting. He didn't say, come on, let's have a worship time. He didn't even say, come to a Bible study. The thing that he did that pointed them towards the restoration of relationship was God challenged them about how they were using their income and that they should, the right, they should choose to do the right things with their income. See, God asks for money, but it's so that He can give us something that money can't buy. And we look to the fact that essentially neglect of the house of God will ultimately affect my, my life. And, uh, you know, as I just want to say that we live in times and seasons with all kinds of views of church and church is imperfect. It doesn't matter which church you go to. uh, You know, every church you go to could be better in some way. We need all kinds of churches because we've got all kinds of people. But what we need to understand is that we'll never get rid of the church because the church is God's chosen vessel for the body, the the representation of the body of Jesus Christ. It's imperfect. It's got us in it. Uh, You know, it's not amazing uh, by some standards, but you know what? That's the method that God has chosen to reach the world. And so we, we accept it joyfully. We also looked at the great spiritual litmus test of generosity, which is can I share my chips? Turn to the person next to you and say, can you share your chips? I feel that some people have really been challenged already this morning. And then, and then we... We looked at blessed beyond your wildest dreams because that is the promise that God gives to us from the message version as we looked at the subject of tithing. And uh, for those of you who may remember, gave you this little picture that these 10 apples represent the blessing of God. All good things come from God. All good things come from heaven above. God blesses me with, and he says, that is yours except for one. Just one. That, that one is mine. That's why I can never pay my tithes. Because God says, bring the tithe into the stars. Because I bring, the, I bring what is His. This belongs to Him. And He promises that when I give Him this, He will so bless the 90%, it will go far further than the 100% ever would have done. So by giving God His portion, the blessing that is on that is on the whole. And He causes that to go far further than we ever imagined it would. As you heard in the trailer there, the tithe is not God's way of raising money. It's God's way of raising us. Something happens as I put Him first 
as I obey Him, as I give Him what belongs to Him, something is released in my life that I otherwise would not get. And then of course we spoke about offerings and we talked about the difference, you know, the Old Testament offerings and saying they, they had a certain value. But the, the, the New Testament approach to bring in offerings was that Jesus gives us grace and choice. He, he puts the responsibility on us. The old covenant was about people coming under law, but under grace, we get the choice. But there is an acknowledgement that our choices have consequences. When I, if I, if I bring, if I sow a stingy amount of seed, then I will receive a stingy harvest. But if I say, sow a generous amount of seed, then I will receive a generous harvest. And we looked at the fact, we looked at the picture that, that the Bible describes, it's, 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 it's like our income is, is seed. Uh, it's a picture that would have been well understood in the New Testament church. So we, we understand that our seed, we, 10% of it belongs to God and the 90% is up to us. Bible describes it as seed to sow and bread to eat. And we talked about the fact that it would be a foolish person who ground down all their seed to make flour. They'd have lots of bread, but then they would have no further harvest. So when I, my 90% represents seed to sow and bread to eat. And we looked at the fact that God wants you to enjoy the blessings, the income that He gives you. He wants you to enjoy it because it is his blessing to your life. And, and so this bread isn't just about food. It's about the clothes you wear. It's about the house you live in and the car you drive. It represents your life. And God wants us to have uh, those blessings. But then we also must sow seed if we want future harvest. It says, through Paul to the Corinthian church, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So in summary, an offering is something that you bring over and above your tithe. It's, it, God treats us as mature people and allows us to make our own choices, but those choices have consequences. Our income is bread to eat and seed to sow. And for seed to be multiplied, it must leave my hand. If I take a seed and hold on to it, it will only remain a seed. But if I sow it in the right soil, then that seed will have the capacity to be multiplied. Faith and patience will be required. No one plants a seed one day and gets a harvest the next. You need faith and patience in between reaping, uh, sowing your seed and reaping your harvest. God wants us to steward abundance. Remember, we talked about the fact that God does not want us to live in lack. We had a little bit, look at the picture of the children of Israel who went from slavery, which was not enough, 
into the wilderness, which was just enough. God provided their needs every day, manna in the desert, the water from the rock, their clothes did not wear out. And we talked about the fact that many Christians get stuck there because it has all the appearances of being blessed because God meets our needs and we have enough for the day. Just one problem with that, it wasn't where God intended His people to live. He didn't intend them to live in the wilderness. You know, I think that maybe if we were God, we would think that if we kept them in the wilderness, we'd keep them lean and keep them keen. You know, it seems to me, yeah, if we want, look, if we keep them here, then they'll keep loving us. But no, he said, I want to bring you into the promised land, into a place of abundance. In fact, I'm going to bring you into so much abundance that it would be easy to forget me. Don't. Which is basically what the scripture says. You will have so much blessing that it will be easy to forget me, but don't. And so God teaches us that he wants us to steward abundance, but not to forget him and be generous towards him. And so that brings us up to today where we are talking about generous on every occasion. We serve a generous God and he wants us to live Likewise, you see, God does not produce no-name, bulk-buy, economy-packed stuff. God does not do anything on the cheap. I feel that some of you need convincing. It's like, what? God, God does not do things on the cheap. When, when, you see, whenever he does something, he does it well. We've just spoken about the manna there. When God provided manna, it was not deficient in anything. It had every nutrient, every mineral, every vitamin. Its calorific value was perfect. So that even if you had a little or whether you had much, you had all that you needed. When Jesus made wine, He didn't just make wine, He made the best wine you've ever tasted. And He made it in abundance. He made more than enough. God God does not do anything in a reserved way. Even when it comes to creation, I love looking at nature, I love Creation, I, I find uh, myself brought to a place of worship. When I, when I look at the things in creation, I was just thinking of this. If you just pop that picture up for me, I'd appreciate it. It was just that I was just chose this because it's like this, it's like this is God having fun at creation. It's that like He didn't need to do that. I mean, please tell me, I, I cannot believe that God created that frog and wasn't smiling while He did it. I mean, that is what, he was just, I think that must have been the end of the day. He was just having a lot of fun about what what was happening. And what I love is that that fish at the bottom is actually called the Mandarin fish and lives on the reefs of of the Australian coast. And, And it's only, as it were, in recent history that we could have possibly known that fish existed. So it wasn't that it was created for us. 
It was created for him. He was just enjoying it. He was enjoying the beauty of his creation because God declares through creation both the excellence and the generosity of his spirit. We serve a generous God, not a just enough God. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Jesus gave financial advice with generosity in mind. Luke 16, verse nine, he says this. Jesus said, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I know some of you are thinking, was it, is that really a scripture? Yes, it is a scripture. Jesus says, use worldly wealth to gain friends. So if you don't have any friends today, I'm just saying on Jesus' advice, you can use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. That's a little bit tongue in cheek because, you know, obviously, maybe you're going to draw to yourself a certain caliber of friend if you're only spending money and buying gifts. But the point is, he's really talking about this in regard to the world. In other words, to live a generous life so that people just want to be around you. I don't know whether you know any really generous people. It's great to be around them. It's great just to to, uh, enjoy what they bring. But Jesus goes on to say, he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you do not, sorry, if you have not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean, there's so much you could get just from this scripture. I could just preach on this alone. Jesus says, use worldly wealth. In other words, you use money, don't let money use you. You, you take charge of it. And as we said, he talks about winning friends. He's, that's talking about be generous. You, he's saying you can't be a servant of, of God and of money. God wants us to be generous because he's making us rich in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. He also talks about the fact Jesus watches the way we use the worldly wealth. He says, if you, if you can't be trusted in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In, in some weird way, the way we handle money and our possessions will be an indication to Jesus of how He can trust us with the true riches of His Spirit. And it will determine whether we can receive those, those, spiritual, those spiritual riches. I mean, there's a lot more you could get out front there. You know, He talks about being faithful essentially in the small things. Being faithful at the level where you are. He talks about stewardship. He's saying, hey, if you you can't be trusted with somebody else's 
property. Why should you be trusted with your own? So if you're renting a property today, the Bible says that you actually should be looking after that property like it's your own. Because when you do, it says that you could, if you prove you're trustworthy in looking at, after somebody else's property, you are proving that you can be trustworthy with your own. Some of you might be believing for an increase. You might be believing for financial blessing. And I would be encourage you right up along there with you. But are you being faithful with what you have right now? Because the Bible wants, Jesus is pointing us to the fact that they do not think that if you are, if you are not faithful with little, that you're going to be faithful with much. It says you absolutely won't be. So we need to prove that we're trustworthy on the level that we are. See, one of the uh, accounts in the Gospel of John where, and and many of you here will will know that if you've been around the Bible, to do the woman with the, the perfume, the woman who came in and poured the perfume on Jesus and that perfume was incredibly expensive perfume and it was fascinating that Jesus did not rebuke her for her extravagance it drew a lot of criticism not least from Judas in fact in verse 4 there of John 12 it says but one of the disciples one of his disciples Judas Iscariot who was later to betray him objected Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. You will not always have me. See, it's amazing. Jesus didn't criticise her for her extravagance, but the people around her did. I think there can be a real nervousness sometimes in people are being extravagant because we have a tendency to hold back. We have a tendency to want to do things in a most economical way sometimes. And yet, At the same time, Jesus was showing us that there was someone who truly knew she was forgiven and therefore it was easy for her to give. I want to say that the people who truly know they're forgiven find it easy to give. And that's why whenever we see people going over and above, you can be sure that God is in it somewhere. See, I... I love the fact, you know, going back to the fact that, that, that God is not just a just enough God. In John 6, where, where we read of how Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, I would want to just draw our attention to the fact it's an amazing miracle, of course, but, but when they had all had enough to eat, that's verse 12, Jesus said to His disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets 
with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So I love that. You see, everyone had had enough. Everyone had eaten their fill, but there were 12 baskets full left over. What, do you think in the miracle Jesus got his numbers wrong? No, Jesus wanted more than enough, not just enough. You know, I once, uh, I once stayed with somebody uh, somewhere in the world, <laughs> I don't, you'll understand why I'm saying that now, who uh, every night they used to ask how many slices of toast you wanted for the morning. I mean, you know, that, that's not really living from a place of generosity. I mean, I'm the worst one to ask. I said, I have no idea how many slices. Of, I don't even know I want toast in the morning. But it's like, that's, that was the way that they lived. God proves He's not like that. He is, a, he is not just a just enough God. He is a more than enough God. Is anyone glad as Townsend was sharing in communion this morning that God doesn't give us a just enough salvation? He gives us a more than enough salvation. His blood is more than powerful. The cross is more than able to deal with my every sin, with my every little secret. It's, more, it's powerful enough to deal with the guilt that's on my life. Why? Because Jesus went over and above. And Jesus wants us to live in that way also, when I think about the, the good Samaritan, you know, the Bible talks about a man who fell into thieves, uh, uh, fell uh, on the road, fell into thieves and on the beast beaten, lying on the road. Religious people passed by and then a, Samar a Samaritan passed by. And, and it was the Samaritan, the, the one in the Jewish mindset that was least likely to help who helped. And we read there in Luke 10, 34, that he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. He, he took care of him. And then the next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. He says, look after him, he said. And, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He went over and above he looked after this man and then put him up and says, hey, if you want to use room service, use room service. I'll pick up the bill when I come by. That, and Jesus said there at the end of the, that passage, He says, go and do likewise. He says, I want you to live with this kind of generosity. I want you to live from this kind of place because when you do this, you show the world who I am. You show the world the heart of God. See, generosity of spirit does not withhold. Proverbs 3, verse 27 and 28 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbour, Come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. He's saying, don't live like that. Live from a place of generosity. If you're able to help, help. Do it. You know, if you don't, 
it's not just about money. It's about don't withhold a smile. Don't withhold a word of encouragement. Don't withhold an opportunity to help. Don't, don't live from a place of withholding, but live from a place of generosity. Stingy people may have money, but they're not happy because they repel the blessing of God that is trying to get to them. See, the Bible tells us the Spirit of God makes rich, but He adds no sorrow to it. You see, there are people who may have riches, but it's, it's only riches that come through God that have no sorrow added to them. He's saying, don't live in a stingy way. Proverbs 11 verse 24, the message of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Proverbs 23 verse 6 says, do not eat the food of a stingy man. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the kind of man who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. You know, it's like, it's like that. Um, it's like, oh, you know, like, just want to take you out for dinner. Just want to bless you. Um, you know, you can have whatever you like um, on the menu. Um, but we're going to get there for the early bird special at 5.30. You know, or there's someone, they give you a gift, but they're saying, it wasn't cheap, you know. It was expensive, that. Um, you know, if you, don't, if you don't want it, I'll have it. You know, it's, it's like I've given you something, but I'm still, that's what stinginess is. I'm still holding onto it. You know, Proverbs 28 says that a stingy man is eager to get rich, but he's unaware that poverty awaits him. Because the amazing thing is that you can keep it and appear to have more, but when I give in a godly way, initially I can appear to have less, but ultimately I will have more. When I'm stingy, I seem to have more at the beginning, but ultimately I'll have less. I was a Thinking about this, um, this lady I knew in, in Ghana. Um, she um, lived in, in Takaradi. I went to stay and I preached it, did some preaching in that region. And, um, and she was showing me her business. And she uh, was uh, uh, the producer of some amazing uh, African printed uh, fabric that was made up into dresses and some of those incredible uh, Ghanaian outfits and uh, she was showing me and one of the things that she did was was the ladies who were working for her she trained up in the skills that that of running a business so that ultimately she released those women who had trained with her to set up their own business now I was thinking to myself wait a minute so you, these women, learn the skills. They, they, they know all your patterns that you've got and then they go and use those. She says, yes. 
I said, aren't you worried that that might affect your business? She said, well, not really, because every time I release a woman and she sets up her own business, then God gives me more patterns. God, God, God shows me more, more things that I can do, things that I hadn't thought of. And I just love that because, you know, the normal way of doing things would be keep all that a secret, keep it all under wraps, don't let anyone know. But this woman just had a, an approach of, of generosity that she gave it away and God always gave her more. And I was thinking that, you know, I don't know, some of you here today might be believing for your business to go to the next level. You might be believing for, you know, greater innovation and greater opportunities. Well, maybe the answer is greater levels of generosity. Maybe, maybe you could think about how you could be more generous to God and to man. And who knows, He may just give you that idea or enhance an idea that you already have that is going to open the door that you've been believing for. I think that it's really easy to talk about generosity, but I think it's important to say it doesn't come naturally or easily to all of us. I would say that I've, I've had to learn. I've had to learn. I think most of us here have moments of generosity. I think that that is, you know, part of a, being a, a normal human being. But I think there's a difference between having moments of generosity and living your life from a generous place. And I think that that requires sometimes a level of discipline because some of that is to do with my mindset. It's to do with my attitude of life. So, you know, one of the things that I've learned to do over the years, I've taught myself to celebrate with people when blessing comes into their life, to genuinely celebrate when something good happens rather than allowing myself to become jealous. Now, I know I'm just talking about me and this doesn't apply to anyone else in the room. But if you would just walk with me for a moment, you know, I think that God, jealousy will take me down. It will take me down when I'm looking at somebody, I'm looking at their achievements, I'm looking at their possessions. I might be looking at, at what I perceive their opportunities have been. And I start thinking just, oh, wow. Well, you know what? If I'd had their opportunities, if I had their mom and dad, if I'd had their education, if I'd like, you start giving yourself all the excuses and you find all this bad attitude coming up in you. And I want to say that I, I believe that we, God does not want us to live from that place. He wants us to have a generous spirit. I believe that doors open to generous people. So we learn to genuinely celebrate. I, I would say that firstly, one has to teach yourself to have a grateful heart. Count your blessings. 
Don't be walking around looking at how everybody's better off than you, everyone's doing better than you. Just teach yourself to be grateful. It does not mean that you're saying, I'm satisfied on the level that I'm in. In other words, that I just wanna stay there. I think it's good to have aspirations. It's good to have dreams. It's good to believe for God to prosper us. However, we've got to do that from a position of gratitude. Be grateful. You know, I, I, you know every one of us, the fact that we here in this country can go to the tap and find water. We haven't had to walk for miles to get water. Not only can we go to the tap and find water, we can drink that water. Now, it's that balance because I've also talked about stewarding abundance. It's not that God wants us to live in a place of lack, but while we're there, we say, I thank God. Honestly, honestly, I, won't, I can't say I do it every, t- every time, but many times, I will, I, every time I get a glass of water from the tap, I say, thank you, God. Thank you that I can drink this water and it's so easily accessible because there are so many people in the world for whom this is true. It's, about, it's just about being grateful. And I think that when you're grateful, you can be generous. You know, it's like, how do you react when someone who's close to you might, or someone you know gets a new car? You, oh, it's all right for some. Hey. All right, yeah, yeah. Are you all right? Good. It, your whole, I, but what, what, if you, what if you say, wow, that is awesome. I love the fact, we thank God that He's blessed you with, with, with that car. That is amazing. And genuinely mean it. Now, sometimes you have to teach yourself to mean it. But, You've got to say it to start meaning it. You've got to start celebrating. You're not like, um, oh, you're, 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 going to, you're, you're going to Seychelles for your holiday. Oh, well, I'm going to Clacton. It's great for you. All the best. Hope you enjoy yourself. You know, it's like, you know, I think that we've got to learn to enjoy our Clacton holidays. I believe that is possible. Uh, but do you know what I'm saying? It's not just about an opportunity to be jealous of somebody else. Celebrate that. Why don't you say, do you know what? One day I would love to go to Seychelles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe for that. We're in Clacton this year. But one day I'm going to believe to go to the Seychelles. You see, I've used the illustration before. I just think it's a great illustration. The fact is that when I'm, you know, if you, if you have ever flown and you find yourself in the baggage hall, you know where they're bringing your bags back to you by the grace of God. And you've got that carousel, the thing that goes around and you're waiting for your case to come off. While you're waiting for your case, there are other people getting their cases. But the fact they're getting their stuff before you doesn't mean that your stuff isn't coming. It just means that theirs came first, but yours is still on the way. I don't think that God intends us to watch other people getting their cases going, oh, it's all right for you getting your case. I'm still waiting. No, just chill. 
Your case, your stuff, your blessing is still on the way. You know, I remember, I remember years ago, I, we used to have a, a leadership training school here, which I ran and I, I had sold, I'd sold uh, 200 pounds into a situation, blessed. It was all good. I was happy to do that. And then like almost immediately after I'd given that money, something happened. I can't remember what happened, but now we needed 200 pounds. Mm. Of course, your immediate thought is, oh, just, I've only hadn't given that 200 pounds. I know you lot are too holy. You wouldn't be thinking <laughs> anything like that. But I'm glad God didn't test me in that anyway. You know, I'd already given it. And, and someone came up to me and said, oh, my God, I just need you to know this. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. You know, God is just so awesome. You know, I was, I was believing God for this amount of money and, and, he, and you know what? He's given me more than enough. He actually gave me 200 pounds more than I needed. I thought, that's my money. Something's got messed up in heaven. One of the angels have labelled it wrong. He got, you've got 200 pounds. She was, she was saying to me, I don't even know what I'm going to do with it. I know what you could do with it. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> but, you know, those are the moments where you actually need to learn, teach yourself to genuinely celebrate with the person and know your blessing is still on the way. You know, the reality is that a generous spirit can genuinely celebrate the blessings of others. But I would also want to say, it's also possible not to make those moments about me at all. Why should I make it about me? Why can't I just celebrate the fact that you have got a blessing from God? See, Jesus said, he said, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I think this is so important because it reminds us that we are not, we are not under law. We are under grace and God allows us to choose. So he says, with the measure you use. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus didn't tell us which measure to use. I use the measure according to my faith. So we're all using buckets. We're all using buckets, but it's a court. So if I sow this, I'm going to get more than this because God has promised me that He'll give me pressed down, shaken together and running over. So God's going to give me more than this. But the problem with some of us is that we are, we are sowing this and believing we're going to get this blessing. 
When the truth is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reap according to what I sow. And if I sow this, I won't get just this back. I will get more. I'll get pressed down, shaken together and running over. But God allows us the choice. By the measure I use, it will be measured to me. And that is how it works. You see, you have more of a say in what flows your way than you think you do. You have more of a say in what flows your way than you think you do. What would it look like if we understood that it's not as random as we might think, that actually God is trying to get some principles to us, that if we simply abide by those principles, we're going to live life at a different level. See, Acts 20 verse 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, I love that. It's like, let's make this clear. This is not just anybody saying this now. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What's interesting is that that word blessed actually means happy, happier. You will, so you can equally read it, you will be happier when you are giving rather than receiving. You will be happier. Doesn't mean you shouldn't receive. It just means that there's more joy in giving than there is in receiving. And to live from this place, to live from a, a place of generosity, from a giving place is a key to a happy life. So I've got seven points quickly that I just want to conclude with. How do I become a more generous person? Firstly, number one, pray and ask God to help you. God will help you. God wants you to be generous because He knows that you'll be blessed and He can get more blessing to you. So we can pray and ask God to help us. Number two, embrace an attitude of gratitude. Grateful people are usually generous people. Number three, giving isn't just about money and gifts. It's also about time and talents. Sometimes it's not just about giving some money. Sometimes it's about spending time with somebody or, or, or giving them a, a hand up or, or giving the benefit of our experience. Fourthly, be an encourager. To be an encourager is to be a generous person, to be always looking for someone you can lift up, to speak a word of encouragement into their lives. Fifthly, spend time with a generous person. If you want to be generous, find a generous person and spend time with them. Learn what they do. Apply some of those principles. Sixthly, spend time with someone less fortunate than yourself. Someone who is perhaps struggling and then maybe you might be grateful for what you have and then be more generous from that place. And seventhly, look for opportunities to be generous and act on them. Don't, don't just live a life. We've talked about generous June. We've had generous June. We've seen the benefits and the blessings of that. But just live your life from the position of generosity. Can you say amen? God bless you. Thank you very much. 
You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.